Good morning and good coffee. Hey, everybody. It's Morning Coffee with Larry. Do you have your cup of joe for today? <laughs> oh, well, it's a Monday morning. And as I was checking my Facebook feed, there was a couple of little memes being distressed over uh, Monday morning. And uh, But you know what? It comes around every week. Uh, we may wish the weekend could extend. I definitely do, but uh, it's another it's another Monday. <laughs> anyway, glad you could join me today. Uh, today is the twentieth of May, two thousand nineteen, and uh, had a good weekend out here on the farmstead. Um, finished up uh, some mowing. Um, well, I actually got a couple of spots I kind of skipped that I need to get back to at some point this week, or I just wait until <laughs> I got to mow everything else again. But uh, no, got some mowing done. Uh, fixed uh, a hole in the fence where goats were getting out, if you heard my podcast from yesterday. And then last night discovered another, not really a hole, but where uh, one of our welded, uh, cattle panel fences butts up against uh, one of the small goat sheds. Uh, the Kikos have figured out how to push and wedge their way out of there to get out whenever they wanted to. So actually got to witness that yesterday. So I did a little temporary work to get that blocked up, but I need to do some more. Uh, to make it permanent that they can't get out of there. They're kind of like squirrels. You know, there's no such thing as a squirrel-proof bird feeder because the squirrel's going to spend all day and all night trying to figure out how to get it, and that's kind of the way it is with goats. So uh, got to do a little bit of work on that at some point this week. But uh, no had a couple of uh, out-of-the-ordinary things. My lovely wife on Saturday uh, accidentally, uh, well, she was, as she says, well, you know, sometimes the story of something happening <clears throat> just isn't as good as it should be. <laughs> and that's one of these where it should be like she was, she was having fun making up a couple of stories as to how this happened. But no, she was actually just running across a busy street after getting a garage sale sign and heard something pop in her lower leg and lost uh, all ability to stand on it and had tremendous pain. And we wound up with an ER trip and, uh, it looks to be that she tore some muscle probably in the calf of her leg, uh, left leg. And so uh, she has been uh, pretty well bedridden yesterday uh, with a lot of just uncomfortable side effects of the pain medication that's kind of continuing on today. So I'm actually uh, taking off work today. Uh, it's kind of rough when your mom's primary caregiver needs a caregiver, uh, but until we're going to get her in to see the, the regular doc and uh, try to get things scheduled and figured out and everything for um, how to, uh, you know, what we need to do so that, you know, I can get back to work and, uh, and figure out, you know, 
maybe some grandkids uh, helping out uh, with caregiver duties. But this is this is just kind of a, uh, a not so good thing uh, that happened to her. So keep her in your prayers. We also had another interesting time. Um, I have a cousin uh, that lives out of state who was passing through and stopped by for a visit and had a bunch of old family photos uh, that she had um, uh, been given uh, regarding an estate sale. And there were some old photos uh, for my mom and for me, family photos. And that was that was really good. It was a very good visit. It was about three hours. And, uh, you know, family that is distant, we may keep track of each other on Facebook, but it is so wonderful to have face-to-face time. And uh, it was was good. And uh, mom joined in on it, and uh, it was a real good, I think it was a really good one for her also. So if uh, if my cousin's listening, uh, you know, thanks so much for stopping by. Today, though, on the podcast, I want to, again, go back to our topic of life balance. And one of the things that I want to talk about is emotional balance. You know, there's there's some folks that show very little emotion at all. Uh, Many times that can be related to uh, trauma, to kind of a stoic personality that you know, may be passed down in the family. There's a variety of different reasons. And also at the other end of the that continuum is there's there's some folks that just have a lot of emotional irregularity uh, where the emotions are not always predictable, except for the fact that the emotions are not going to be predictable. That part is predictable. Uh, there's there's some different mental conditions, diagnoses out there that uh, uh, some of the key symptoms tie in with emotional instability. Uh, one of them is borderline personality disorder, and uh, where the emotions seem to have the upper hand, seem to be doing the the ruling of the roost, so to speak, and. The, the not just that, but whenever the emotions seem to be in control, whether it's a disorder or whether it's just a pattern, it causes a lot of distress for the person, and it also causes a lot of distress for those around them, and it leaves life out of balance. You know, there's there's difficulties, you know, with them even knowing how they're going to react or how they're going to feel about something. It's, it leaves difficulties when thinking about uh, social settings. You know, a lot of times people, they, they may hesitate on interacting with certain people because of that emotional instability, that emotional lack of balance. It can really, you know, kind of tear apart or make in, give instability to family situations. There's just a lot of, of struggles with it. And one of the things, and it's not the only thing, but one of the things that I see a lot is uh, the use of what I call emotional reasoning. And, and I, you know, that being different from what I call uh, evidence-based reasoning. Uh, 
Now, let me explain those a little bit. And I've touched on this in past um, podcasts, but it's something that I think is is valid and worth repeating. When we when we study emotions and try to have a clear understanding, emotions stem from beliefs. Think about a belief as being like a flower pot in which there's a seed. And when that seed grows, the plant on the top is kind of like the emotion. Your your emotions grow out of beliefs. If you believe that something is scary, you're going to react with fear. If you believe that something is an injustice, you may experience anger. If you believe that there is no way to come out ahead in a situation, then you may feel hopelessness or helplessness. You know, it's it's kind of like most people kind of go off the idea that situations make them feel a certain way, you know. Oh, that boss of mine, he he makes me so angry. Well, if situations make us feel a certain way, wouldn't logic say that anybody in that situation should experience the same emotion? If it's the situation causing the emotion, causing the feeling? Well, it doesn't. Not everybody, you know, has the same response. So there's something missing, and that missing part is a belief. The situation triggers a belief, which could be different from person to person. And the belief is where that emotion grows out of. So if I if my boss, if myself and a coworker are meeting with my boss, we may take what he says very differently. We may interpret it very differently because of the history, that individual history that each of us have with the boss, as well as historical aspects of how we got along with bosses, different bosses in the past. All those build into beliefs. One person may believe that a boss is somebody to be manipulated. Another person may believe that a boss is somebody to be feared. A third person may believe that a boss is somebody to be respected and listened to. And so whenever they hear something or a situation occurs with the boss, each of those three people may have a very different emotion stemming from those very different beliefs. Now, what happens... If we flip this coin upside down, what would that look like? Well, what happens is sometimes a person may have a belief that is not accurate to the situation and then have a strong emotion. And so there can be one problem with the emotional instability is the belief is not accurate. Another could be that a person has a pattern of catastrophizing. Catastrophizing, that's that new word that I just love. Uh, And it's the idea that we gravitate towards or we often pursue worst case scenarios or worst case interpretation of things. So if if, you know, it's kind of like whenever you have a, uh, a young teenager and you tell them, 
you know, no, you can't go to this particular party for whatever the reason is. Oh, you're just trying to ruin my social life. You're just trying to keep me from ever seeing my friends. You just want to keep me locked in a closet. Okay. And they get very, very emotional. But did you notice what the comments were? They were all kind of extreme comments that weren't really based in reality, were they? And that's one of the things that can happen too, is the stronger the emotion, if it doesn't match the situation, we may ramp up the extremeness of the belief. You see, beliefs and emotions, I believe, tend to want to stay at the same kind of level. If it is a mild emotion, it needs to be a mild belief. If it's a real strong emotion, it should have a real strong belief. They should they should match. You know, I remember years ago um, having to there there had been a death uh, among one of the clients that I had worked with many many years ago, and there was kind of a support group that was involved, and myself and a couple of staff that worked with me, we went around on a weekend to some of the the key friends of this person who had died suddenly to let them, you know, to, to break the news to them personally rather than having them hear about it on the radio. Um, and there was one particular person that we, we, you know, knocked on their door and they answered. And so we were telling them that this person had died in a car accident, you know, the, the night before. And the person's response was with a smile on her face. And she said, oh, I've been in a car accident before. And it was like, that doesn't really match. <laughs> that, that's what threw us all off. Now, there was, you know, there was some logical mental reasons why that took place. But you know, this, the giving news of a death of somebody that you know and having that response doesn't match. We tend to like the situation and the emotion matching. But if the emotion is really high compared to what the actual situation is, ideally, we need to kind of temper that emotion down to match what the situation is, what the evidence of the situation is. But what many times folks that have more of the emotional out-of-balance part in their lives, they will ramp up, make worse the situation so it matches the emotion. So this is kind of, again, like the idea of a teenager, you know, saying, you don't love me, you hate me, you know, blah, 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 because they're feeling a strong emotion. Well, obviously, the parent doesn't hate them. The, it's obvious the parent doesn't want to destroy their child's life. But this is where those beliefs get ramped up. And for some folks, that definitely continues on into adulthood. Uh, and, and that allows, or that, that tends to be one of the causes for emotional uh, instability and in, in having uh, out of balance in that area. So what can a person do about that? I think one of the things that we need to do, if that's if this is ringing a bell for you, is st- when you find yourself feeling a strong emotion, just kind of take a time out. 
take a time out and do a little mental check and ask yourself, what is the, what is the evidence that I'm looking at? What is it that I'm actually experiencing here? What am I telling myself? Is this situation, am I, you know, jumping to conclusions? Am I uh, making a mountain out of a molehill? Am I, you know, am I, uh, do my emotions match? Would somebody else react this way? You know, the, just slow yourself down and ask yourself, am I taking this out of context? Am I making this more than what it is? If somebody accused me of this, would I be in agreement or would I say, no, 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 no. That's not what I'm saying. See, what we need to do is, yes, we are emotional creatures. We don't want to eliminate all emotion. But what we do need to do is, is keep emotion in the back seat of our car. You don't want emotion behind the wheel, the steering wheel. You don't want emotion driving your life. You want logic and evidence-based things driving your life. You want to have emotions in the back seat. And like I say, you want emotions back seat, passenger side. That means it's far enough away. It can't reach up and grab the wheel, but it still has influence in the car. You follow me on that? We don't want emotions to be running the show because when emotions do, emotions get out of control. So if this this seems like you know something that you have had struggles with, this might be something where you may want to, to meet with a counselor and uh, kind of go over it and see what are some things that maybe they can specifically help you with. I mean, uh, this, this podcast is education only, um, but, the, uh, but there may be some things that you can work out with a counselor or a therapist. Ideally, I would say a counselor who has had possibly some experience in what's called cognitive processing therapy, uh, that is kind of a big component of that type of therapy and can be, you know, very beneficial. There's, there's, there's some counselors out there that put more emphasis on the value of emotion. Again, kind of if the emotion is strong enough, it has to be true. But again, it's, it's evidence that that is really what needs to be the measuring stick. And if the evidence isn't there, then it's kind of 